it's the Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour. 30-ish minutes of sketch comedy, improv, songs, and whatnot pulled from the audio archives of Duck Logic, a Chicago improv group that produced their own two-hour comedy show called The Cavalcade that played on WLUP AM 1000 Radio in Chicago back in the day. Plus, there's some new stuff thrown in for good measure. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a kooky stroll down memory lane with Duck Logic. Because they're wacky comedy guys, just a bunch of comedy guys, funnier than they realize, those wacky, kooky, cut-up comedy guys. And now, Duck Logic puts the joke in context. It was about five months into the comedy group's weekly two-hour radio show on WLUP AM in Chicago called The Cavalcade, and the guys thought, you know what would be funny? Let's produce a show where we pretend it's our anniversary, but not our five-month anniversary. We'll pretend it's our 50-year anniversary. And then on top of that, let's pretend it's only 49 years for some reason, and we're celebrating one year early. Get it? Sure you do. The Duck Logic jokester sprang into action and whipped up a pretend trip down Duck Logic's made-up history. They wrote documentary segments and played snippets of skits they pretended came from that time. They also pretended there was a huge gala at a popular Chicago theater venue where former cast members and fictional characters gathered for the occasion. So put it into context, turn back the clock, and imagine it's a Saturday night and the cable went out and you're stuck listening to the radio when this comes on your cool, stackable entertainment center. You know the one with that newfangled CD player and a turntable on top. Hotel, it's the Armstrong Mutual Cigar Hour. Brought to you by Armstrong Mutuals, the cigar you put in your mouth. And featuring the equestrian players who are in alphabetical order. Buddy Bernard, Pinky and Tony Chesterton, Victor Film Noir, Spuds Merkel, Terrence Roundbottom, Ronald Reagan, Dorothy Singleton, Ellen Gardinier and his orchestra, and me, I'm Wendell Fortescue. And now, here's your host for this evening, Dalton Gilliam. Hello, everyone, and good evening. We're glad that you could join us here at the lovely Edgewater Beach Hotel. We're in for a grand old time tonight. The champagne is flowing, the band is jumping, and the comics have some funny insights to share with us. It's 1939, ladies and gentlemen, already. Can you imagine that, huh? A year of prosperity and peace is ahead. So to everyone across the United States and our friends over in Europe, we're ushering in the new year. And you kind people tuned to WCFLAM 1000 right now are ushering it in correctly with the maiden voyage of the Armstrong Mutual Cigar Hour. Two hours of comedy and music presented to you with pride each and every Saturday night and brought to you by those kind folks at Armstrong. From its humble beginnings as the Armstrong Mutual Cigar Hour on January 1st, 1939, 
where a small staff of dedicated young newcomers work tooth and nail to gain recognition from an apathetic city to the almost super celebrity status of the latest bunch of comedic geniuses, the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade has produced the finest entertainers in the world. From drama to comedy, from documentary to general tomfoolery, from human interest to interesting humans, the cavalcade has retained a consistent level of the highest quality. Almost everyone who's anyone in almost any area of the field of communication started their career here on the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade. Everyone knows that Jack Parr walked off his job on network television, but few people are aware that Jack's first walk-off was right here on the cavalcade something to do with what he called a better offer. When the rest of the country was putting a ban on Presley's pelvis, we allowed Elvis to gyrate all he wanted to on an early Things That Don't Translate to Radio show. Jack Benny pinched his first penny on the Armstrong Mutual Cigar Hour's weekly sitcom, Keeping Up with the Joneses. And who could forget Harry Carey's incredible 18-hour backwards-talking marathon in 1972 to benefit Tops for Tots, a relief fund for baseball cardless children. The list goes on and on and on a little more. In fact, we're proud to say that the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade holds the industry record for people becoming famous almost the instant they leave the show. Because of our limited time, we won't be able to mention everyone who's put in the work that it takes to make the cavalcade what it's been over the last 50, well, just about 50 years. We can only mention those people whose names the general public will recognize and in turn respect us for. But to the rest of you, well, you know who you are. So sit back in a comfy chair and relax as we try to do the impossible. In the short span of the next two hours, we'll condense five, uh, just about five, decades of unrivaled entertainment. We hope to give you a small glimpse of the enormous debt the world owes to the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade, truly the incubator for generation upon generation of all-American talent. Besides, if we'd have kept these people, you might never have heard of them. Before the mundane workaday world has become just a shadowy memory, and the weekend hasn't quite worked itself into a fever pitch, it's time for something in the middle, something non-committal, something that rhymes with spittle. It's time for a wacky late 80s comedy. It's time for the nutty antics of those guys and gals we like to call Duck Logic. The Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade's 50th anniversary show one year early, starring in no particular order at all. Jonathan Winters, The Compass Players, Steve Martin, Spike Milligan, Howard Hessman, Shirley Jones, David Steinberg, Elaine May, Severin Darden, David Donlosky, Fred Willett, Otis Wilson, The Cajun Cook, Mummin Chance, Timothy Thomas, Peter Bergman, Phil Proctor, David Osman, Ann Gunn, Michael McKeon, Walter Mitchka, David Lander, Tom Gianna, Shields and Yarnell, Wes and Les, Woody Allen, Scatman Crothers, James F. Russell, Spuds Merkel, Buddy Bernard, Marty Fardy, The Amazing Gus, Joe the Love Potato, Topo Gigio, The Mighty Areola Ramblers, The City Marty Croft Puppets, Clash Taylor, Will Schreider Sr., and many, 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 many more, including me, Wendell Fortescue. So sit yourself down in a big fat puffy chair and join us for the next two hours while we journey through the kooky world of the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade. Then go out and party. 
Hello, Chicago, and welcome to Duck Logic's 50th anniversary, celebrated one year early. I'm Dave. And I'm Tim, Black Ties and Tail Thomas. And we're here, uh, just really thrilled about this whole thing. This is the entire, this is the 50 years. Of course, we started, if you don't know anything about the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade, and who, uh, you, it, a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. It's a sad state of affairs. Back in 1939, we started out as the Armstrong Mutual Cigar Hour, and uh, everybody who's anybody has has been through the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade. True. So tonight, if you if you've been listening regularly, you know that there's usually a third person with us here in the studio. But he's got a special assignment. One I'm a little jealous of, Dave. Yeah, I I'll wish tell I was you. in his My shoes. Goodness. He is over at, that's We're talking of Walter Mishka, of course. I mean, he's over at the Vic Theater tonight. We've rented that place out. And uh, alumni upon alumni upon alumni, everybody is going to be there tonight. Really? So there's going to be some live performing going on over there at the Vic. And, of course, we're going to be shooting over to Walter. And he'll be giving us interviews with some yeah. of the people that have made the cavalcade Some of is. the mirthful moments and memories that have traveled down that cobblestone sidewalk known as the Duck Logic, the Duck Logic Comedy, Comedy Cavalcade. Yeah. You know, there's going to be, uh, Woody Allen is going to be over there tonight. I'm pretty sure he and Louise Lasser are going to be doing a special live presentation of a very old sketch he wrote when he was with the group. Yeah. That should be pretty exciting. Pre-neurosis, uh, pre I think, for Woody Allen. I don't know I don't if there know. was that time. He came out either. of the womb with neuroses <laughs> of some sort. He had a black hole neuroses. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, and it's, it just goes on and on and on. We've got an incredible amount of stuff here for you. You know, when I told my dad that the 50th anniversary show is going to be this week, he remembers the Armstrong Mutual Cigar Hour. Back when because, he was a kid? Because he was like in high school, and it was a big thing. I mean, it, it seems strange, high school people sitting around listening to a radio to us, right? Because yeah, we well, go yeah. to concerts or TV, now, or TV yeah. right. Yeah, and they would listen to stuff like, you know, Too Many Funny Guys and, and Fat Boy and His Sister, you know. I guess a lot of comedy, you know, that, that well, they eventually was, became the cavalcade. Yeah. It was as popular as Little Orphan Annie was at the time, if I'm not right. mistaken. Right, yeah, you had like little... People gather uh, around the radio every week. Decoder rings to figure out what Spike Giannis's noises were on the Too Many Funny Guys, you know. <laughs> Fun stuff like that, you know. Well, if you have fathers, you want to get everybody around the... Um the city. Get, get, your, get your family out. Your father is going to remember this, as well as your daughters. This this show spans for 50 years. It's an incredible amount of entertainment it's that's true. gone through the wire here. And it's always been on AM 1000. I think that's kind of special. Back in the days when it was the old Chicago Federation of Labor Station, WCFL. WCFL. Yeah. Back yeah. in the original days. And it's always been on AM 1000. And we've got bits and pieces from sketches all the way back as early as you, you mentioned uh, oh boy. Uh, Too Many Funny Guys. We have that tonight. Of course, a lot of the older clips I'll have a little to try not to, to tune a radio in if you hear the static, that's just because of the quality of these older things. A lot of this stuff, this is recorded back as, as early as 39 and 41, 42. The so cavalcade closet full of radio tapes that we've had for 50 years. I was about two or three inches of dust on them when I cleared out oh, some of those things. No, no doubt about amazing. it. See, I'm allergic, so I didn't even go near the closet. No I was just amazed to find out how many people really were part of the cavalcade over the years. It, and true. I am just thrilled. You're going to really, really enjoy this show. So sit back, grab yourself a beer if you've got one. What we're going to do is send it on over to Walt at the Vic if he's there and and we hope he can pick up. We'll find out oh, how things are shaping bum. up there, and then we'll move on with the show. So now we're going to go on over to the Vic Theater, where Walter party. should be uh, welcoming in all the cavalcade of guests over at the 50th celebration there. Thanks, Dave and Tim. That's right, I'm here live at the Vic Theater outside as the cars are pulling up. It's a shame you guys aren't here to see the stars as they pull up in their limos. So oh, really, Dave, you know, everybody's here. David Steinberg, Warren Berenger, Ed Berdoliak, Edie the Breakfast Fairy walked in. She's looking good at her age, let me tell you. You know, oh, Joe the Love Potato called to say he's watching on closed circuit. It's shaping up to be a great time here, guys. There, there's going to be speeches and performances by some of the many famous and, and near-famous alumni of the last 50, well, 49 years. 
John Cleese and Michael Palin are slated to perform their almost unknown skit from the Cavalcade from back in the late 60s. Woody Allen is here and Louise Lasser, they're going to do something. Oh, I see Jack Hailstone. He's pulling up now. Nope. Oh, he's been cut off. His car got cut off by... Oh, Dr. Timothy Leary's here. He's scheduled to give a speech, too. It's shaping up here to be an incredible celebration, one that by far is fitting the 50th, well, 49th anniversary of a legend like the Comedy Cavalcade. The Loop really knows how to throw a bash, you guys. You wouldn't believe that the spread they got here. You know, seeing the legacy that the Cavalcade has left behind and feeling the pride that I have and being part of the legacy that this show will have in the future, it chokes me up, Tim and David. I just hope that I can leave the show soon that, so that I, I, too, can become become as famous as the people showing up here tonight. The celebrities just keep pouring into the Vic Theater for this gala event. I'm going to give it back to you in the studio now because I'm going inside backstage to try and get some interviews. So uh, back to the Loop Studios. From the moment the Armstrong Mutual Cigar Hour came on the air, it was an instant two-hour show. America tuned in every Saturday night to hear the crazy goings-on of Pinky Chesterton and Terrence Roundbottom. Dorothy Singleton would croon top 40 tunes, and a young Ronald Reagan would get the coffee. Yes, Armstrong Mutual Cigars had themselves a winner. As time wore on, the world engaged in a second war. The Cigar Hour, as it was known to the G.I.s, became a big favorite. Phrases originally coined on the show like, Oh, no, you don't. Pardon me, buddy. And that's what Max always says became part of the soldiers' vocabulary in both the European and Pacific theaters. Yes, the Armstrong Mutual Cigar Hour was popular. Pulled from the archives, we bring you a clip from Lottery, a weekly soap opera. Maybe if you don't want to give me that multi-million dollar oil rig, I'll just have to buy the land underneath it. Ah, cut it out, Sneaky. You haven't got any money. Yeah, but I got, look, lottery tickets. Huh. I should kill you now! From 1942, a historical piece called You Heard It Happen. You've just heard the sound of the invention of pasteurization, enhancing your memories of the past, the present, and the future. Tune in again to You Heard It Happen, where history is heard. In 1943, the spine tinglers had the nation on the edge of its seat. How many of you still have your Clash Taylor decoder amulet? Good evening, and welcome to another terrifying trek into the halls of horror on Clash Taylor's Spine Tinglers. Tonight, a man possessed by the very gift that made him famous in I Used to Do Voices. Now, I only hear them. We join our story already in eerie progress. Ronnie, do the Wayne! Do the Wayne! What's wrong with you? You're not doing your John Wayne! Sorry, ladies and germs. I don't know what the problem is. I'll tell you what your problem is. You're not doing John Wayne! Uh, then John Wayne walks into the joint and says, Ronnie, get an axe and kill your father, partner. Fat Boy and his sister premiered on February 6th 
1942. The weekly serial chronicled the exploits of Fat Boy, played by Buddy Bernard in a master stroke of typecasting, and his sister Babs. Each week would see Fat Boy fighting Nazis or Japs or Mussolini as only the 400 pound lad could. Here's a clip from 1944. Our story so far. In candy stores and five and tens across the nation, phony chocolate bars are appearing on shelves and countertops. High government officials, knowing the Fuhrer's unnatural lust for chocolate in all its forms, fear an Axis plot of mammoth proportion. Already, reports of chocolate bunny hoarding are spreading the seeds of apprehension that could sprout quickly into saplings of unrest, growing rapidly into tall forests of chaos. Fat Boy, that rotund mound of patriotic pluck, and his sister Babs have stumbled into a seedy warehouse on the wharves of Omaha, Nebraska. The nose of Fat Boy, a sensory organ that can sniff out linty gumdrops in the cushions of old couches from 300 feet, has detected the distinct aroma of chocolate. It's chocolate, all right, Babs. Chocolate bars. Fat Boy, look at all the boxes. There's got to be zillions of chocolate bars. Three million five hundred and seventy-five thousand two hundred and thirty-one. Actually, you're swell, Fat Boy. Thanks, Babs. We got an amscrape, Fat Boy. Whoever put the snatch in all this chocolate could show up any time. Okay, Babs. But first, maybe a Hershey bar to settle my nerves. My digestion is so delicate. Yeah, boy, save that chocolate for the boys overseas, fighting for our liberty. You're right, Babs. We all have our duty to do for our country. Duty smoothie. What are your kinder doing in my warehouse? Uh-oh. Uh, we were playing ball outside and our ball came in through the window. There are no windows in this warehouse, fatty. This guy's pretty sharp, Babs. I smell more than chocolate, fat boy. I smell a rat, a Nazi rat. Stop, Mr. Chattering. What's the story, huh? Let's have it, fat though. The jig's up, crowd. Fat boy and me know you got millions of chocolate bars in this dump. So... Allow me to introduce myself. I am Klaus von Lohenbrau, Colonel in the Führer's Chocolate Panzer Division. Jumping jitterbugs, the Chocolate Tiger Division. Jawohl. Und you two brats on my prisoners. Run for it, fat boy. Oh, no, well, I run. My thighs chap. What will fat boy do? Will his thighs let him run away? Will Babs kick the Nazi in the shin? And how am I going to keep feeding this kid? Tune in next time when the makers of Odeo bring you the further adventures of Fat Boy and his sister. Happy 50th anniversary, you guys. You duck dudes. <laughs> keep up the great work. You know, I... I've been listening to you guys since uh, since I've been about since I was about twelve years old, and uh, 
I just like to say that uh, to see you guys finally make the uh, 50th anniversary, the big 5-0, is it's uh, it's something special. And we around here at the Loop would um, just like to congratulate you all. Uh, keep up the good work. And also, Walt, you know, we never did get into why Woody Allen cut out the, uh, the that feature on the uh, comedy cavalcade in radio days. It, what, did it just end up on the editing room floor by mistake, or what happened there? Well, you have my phone number. If you can give me a ring and clarify that, I'd really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jimmy Weiser. That was Jimmy Weiser with a taped bit. He was too busy to show up live for uh, the broadcast. But, hey, uh, this is Walter live here at the Vic Theater. And, uh, oh, right now, Dr. Timothy Leary is going to give the opening speech. So uh, I'm going to quiet down. Oh, here he is now. This is a serene and beautiful place inhabited by serene and serious-minded people. The gala celebration for the 50th anniversary is just going on and on. You wouldn't believe the kind of people that are here. Dave and Tim, this place is just crawling with celebrities and paparazzi, you name it. Justine Bateman just got up and went to the bathroom and the place just fell into a hush. You wouldn't believe it. I just spoke to Jack Hailstone. He's got some trouble with his ticket. Someone's sitting in his uh, seat. He, he's kind of PO'd. He was mad at me. I don't. Did you know anything about it? I don't know. Anyway, right now we've got Buddy Bernard is here. Buddy Bernard, of course, the Cavalcade's own fat boy. How you doing, buddy? Hello, Walter. Hi, buddy. You're here to get a press special presentation, actually. They're going to give you an award. Award for meritorious service through the years. Well, you know, you definitely deserve a, an award because uh, I deserve a nice pumpkin pie. The things that you did, the things that you did in World Chocolate War II for the boys overseas with that fat boy and his sister series is well, just incredible. They sent me food from overseas for years and years. I got packages from the boys full of night. I cookies. remember my dad's bomber plane had a big fat boy on the side of it. Fat he, boy's bomber. He must have had one of those big planes in Oh yeah, well he was a belly gunner and he's kind of big bulbous thing. Um, I'm so sorry about your dad. Nice bulbous thing like that could be very No, my bad. dad wasn't a bulbous thing. The air I Never mind, buddy. You well, don't have to talk about it if you don't want well, it. Well, here, buddy, let me give you a big push. Oh, careful, careful, careful. You're exciting. That's it for me live at the Vic Theater. I'll be back periodically throughout the show. Back to the celebration in the studio. In 1943, a second cast was hired to fill in for the regulars when they were at the USO. Christened Those Troublemakers by Little Ronnie Reagan, the newcomers starred in Too Many Funny Guys. Armstrong, makers of real cigars, cigars that smoke for a while, presents Max Mishka, Tony Dunlosky, Fran Thomas, Skip Russell, and the ridiculous noises of Spike Giannis in Too Many Funny Guys. This week, the big break. You know, things aren't going well around the boarding house. It seems things are a bit unorganized. Let's just open the front door and see for ourselves. Oh yes, things are a mess. They really need a woman's touch. Maybe that's what the Chevrolet parked in front is all about. Maybe the boys are getting a maid. Maybe she's already started. Oh, this isn't going to be for the weak of heart or strong of tongue. Say hello, boys. Understand there's a bit of a change around the house. I'll say. 
Skip Stotner smell good. Yeah, if he smelled any better, I'd ask him to the Artie Shaw show. He wouldn't go with you. You're not Skip's type. Now, what is Skip's type? I'm not sure. The lab results haven't come in yet. <laughs> Say, gentlemen, here comes Spike. Does he know about the new maid? Yeah. Spike's still trying to figure out World War One. Yeah, Max is right. Spike still carries a howitzer in case Roosevelt gets any ideas. Yeah, Spike's on a strict diet. No Kaiser rolls or German potato salad. <laughs> Here he comes now, Spike Giannis. And it looks like he's got a new noisemaker. Gentlemen, what is that fine odor coming out of that yonder kitchen? Ah, uh, that's Skip. He's decided to scrub behind his ears. I detect a... Women's presence. A dog, Ellery Queen. You've been listening to Five Minute Mysteries again? <laughs> I smell supper, tender meat, gingogo, a homemade biscuit, and a chocolate for dessert. That's Tony's new aromatic superiors from Armstrong Cigars. They're the supper cigar that smokes like a cigar and tastes like a five course meal. Here comes Skip Russell, all gussied up for a big night on the town. You think I overdid the aftershave? You overdid it with the hair tonic. If you, Kinko and Kinko, had any more tonic in your hair, we could order some gin and have a party. Say, Skip, the boys were wondering if you got all sundayed up for Tina, the new maid. I didn't even know we had a maid. Oh, you'd be surprised what else you don't know. See, there's a world outside the bathroom, Skip. <laughs> I see. Maybe Tony's right, Skip. Maybe you're getting carried away with this dating stuff. I'll say all the way to the bank to pay for those movie house tickets. If it goes up to 50 cents, I'll have to put on a pair of sunglasses and grind an organ. Uh, uh, that sounds painful. <laughs> Here comes Tina now, played by everyone's favorite singer, Dorothy Singleton. I sure hope she can keep up with you guys as good as she keeps up with a beat on a new song, Gonna Get My Guy a Hat. Say, fellas, wash up and seat yourself at the table. Supper is served. Fellas, do you mind if I get changed? I hate these cooking clothes. As long as you're still female afterwards. <laughs> that food sure looks good, guys. Much better than Spike's oatmeal. By the way, Max, I think you can put out those Armstrong Mutual cigars. I know they're the cigar that won the war, but a gentleman doesn't smoke in front of a lady. <laughs> Who said I'm a gentleman? <laughs> Let me put it this way. Armstrong's are better after a meal, and their fresh-smelling burnable paper shell are just the trick for a living room chat with the boys. We should have a woman on the show more often. That's the second advertisement in the last few minutes. Armstrong must like the show. Seems they like it better when Tina sings a song while changing. Hate to eat and run, but Dorothy Singleton is playing the role of the maid, and I think the audience would love to hear her sing a line from a new song on MGM Records, Gonna Get My Guy a Hat. I don't remember that old September when he got a head cold. Some say unless me, don't second guess me, gonna get my guy a hat. Fabulous Dorothy Singleton. Thank you, Dorothy. Well, the guys like the meal, and Skip admitted something about an audition. Say, do you gents got any material? I need to tell a joke for the Armstrong talent search. Mr. Armstrong himself is in. Material? They're called gags. Something Max needs. I don't think he's stopped talking since Ma Bell installed phones. <laughs> 
When Skip returned, though, things looked different. What happened? This place looks like Roosevelt's New Deal. All messed up and no place to go. Eh, uh, we heard the news about the audition. Yeah, we're sorry, Skip. We thought we'd give you a little surprise party, and, well, the party got a little too big. Too big? Yeah, I'd call the high school marching band and Glenn Miller's orchestra too big. I don't think anybody forgot to come. My own party, and I forgot to invite myself. I suppose Tina's ready to quit. Got to go, got to go. Oh, she did mention early retirement. I'd say it had more to do with the dancing girl that jumped out of the cake. Dancing girl, Tina quit, Glenn Miller. Give me a break. <laughs> This is Sid Caesar. It's a happy birthday. A happy birthday. This is Lamb Chop and Shari Lewis wishing you a very happy birthday. Hi, this is Jonathan Winters. I just wanted to take this opportunity to wish you a happy birthday. Hi, this is Red Buttons. I understand it's your birthday. Ah, uh, let me tell you something. Some of the biggest people in the history of the world never had a birthday party. Moses, who said to the children of Israel, stop calling me Charlton, never had a birthday party. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. Thanks, Red Buttons. Hey, isn't that incredible? All those people wishing us a happy birthday. Sure the travel kid. The 50th birthday. That's um, half a century. That's a pretty big landmark. I it's know, a big. Know. It's a huge landmark. Now, boy, we've, we've heard some lot of fun stuff. Cool. Fat Boy was great, wasn't it? I like Fat Boy a lot. My dad still has his Fat Boy box of stuff. Which oh, was a whole out. bunch of, yeah, different things from the you show, didn't say you box know? tops from the Odie Oats, Oats cereal right. back then. Right, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Different yeah. kinds of chocolates that they would sample on the show were in there. It know? was good, but it wasn't anything like sitting and listening to our grandparents on Too Many Funny that, Guys. That is really weird. That's, it's strange. I mean, it's really strange. My dad being the straight man before, I mean, I'm the, that's kind of strange to I listen to I think it's pretty odd that all of our grandparents worked together on this show, that our fathers have had never. No, never been even involved in comedy. They don't even know each other, and here mm -hmm. we all accidentally meet this many years later, and... We're my working dad, on the show. It's pretty wild. My dad, he's never told a joke in his life, but my grandpa, like, when it's cold out and icy, he purposely runs out of the car and falls and on falls his face. falls on his If you walk through the living room and my grandfather's watching a baseball game, I say, who's ahead? He says, cabbage is ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. They're absolutely crazy guys. But my father never had any interest in it. Never never bothered uh, with the comedy thing at all. Because, because sons rebel against what their fathers, their fathers do. did. Yeah, that's, that's probably, probably what it, it was. It's probably what it was. Well, that was... It was really funny. Too many funny guys. That was oh, great God, stuff. Yeah. And you know, they worm those Armstrong cigar commercials right into the script. <laughs> oh, that's so blatant. Yeah, it is. Well, back then, you know, they owned the Armstrong Mutual Cigar Company owned the show, oh, and really? then they relinquished. I think we'll be seeing that come up a little bit later. But it did the name change to just the Cavalcade later on. But you know that they still make Armstrong Mutual cigars. And the second hour of the show tonight is going to be sponsored by Armstrong oh, Mutual good. cigars. We'll be hearing some of their new commercials and what they're doing after more 50 of years. a corporate company than it used to be, right? Yeah, bigger, it's, it's a, a huge bigger. company. It's, I think it's down. Somewhere in Raleigh, North Carolina, they got just building upon building upon building, pumping out cigars like sure, nobody's yeah. business. I don't, I don't smoke, so I don't know, but it should be pretty fun. Oh man, we've got. Oh, it was so we're, great. We, we are on the verge of entering the decade of the fifties. We're moving uh, to the fifties. I, I wasn't born till fifty-eight, so still, this stuff is really early for me. Yeah, but uh, I got to see a lot of the people that are in the next section as they made it to TV and as they became really big stars. I grew up with them, so this is really fun for me to yeah, look back. Yeah, the fifties was. see, the fifties was when I was in high school. The end of the 40s saw an end of a decade for the Armstrong Mutual Cigar Hour. Gone was the old cast, Bernard, Ron Bottom, Gilliam, Reagan. All the old school had left the show in the charge of the new kids, with names like Vinnie Quay, 
Don Knotts, Bob Berg, Stinky Nidvids, Lenny Bruce, and Rex Ramsey. Wendell Fortescue was still there, but he was announcing the new name for the two-hour extravaganza. Yes, on February 6, 1950, for no particular reason at all, the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade was born. And a new brand of comedy that was real close to the old brand found its way into the world. Pulled from the archives from 1950, the wacky misadventures of Stinky and his pals. Stinky, you didn't say your room was this dirty. Point me to the clothes basket, Gooch. Right on, Nisi. Hey, Nisi, you still want that P-shot slingshot bad enough to clean up my hamster cage? Don't you know it? All right, just grab a rag and clean. Stanley don't bite anyone. Yeah, that's right, Nisi. Nobody but girls, that is. Ouch! The hamster bit me! I'll need rabies! From 1951, everyone's favorite game show, Rex Ramsey's Closet Full of Kids. There you go, Johnny. Have a pretty good idea what the closet holds inside itself today. And how, Mr. Ramsey? Open the door and give me a spin. Okay, Johnny Turner, who is eight years old today, is ready to enter the closet full of kids, and let's open the door. Go right on in, Johnny. You got 15 seconds to come out with your birthday treat. While Johnny is in there, let's recite the Rex Ramsey closet chase. Open the door, come on in. Lots of neat stuff you could win. Find the treasure, make a bid. Pick an item Rex has hid in our closet full of kids. And in 1952, each show began with 30 minutes from a long-running favorite, Vinnie Quay, as Uncle Vinny. Uncle Vinny's clubhouse is on the air! <laughs> Uncle Vinny's clubhouse is my favorite kind of show. I get up and pour some cereal, turn on my radio. Uncle Vinny's clubhouse is a lot of fun, you'll see. So come inside the clubhouse of Uncle Vinny. That's me! It's 6 o'clock on the clubhouse and today is May 10th, 1952. Happy birthday to all kids whose names start with an R. You know it's 601 on the clubhouse, and you know what that means. Let's have a big hand for everyone's favorite clown, Nanny Nanny Boo Boo. <laughs> you don't say, Nanny. What do you have for us today, Nanny Nanny Boo Boo? Oh, you've got some pictures from the boys and girls. Hot dog. Here's a picture of Uncle Vinny, mm -hmm. Nanny Nanny Boo Boo, <laughs> and a big Campbell's soup can. And that's sent to us from 10-year-old Andy Warhol. He's in the fourth grade at Linville Grade School in Linville, New York. Andy must have been eating lunch when he drew that. <laughs> Here's another picture of, well, Uncle Vinny, good old Nanny Nanny Boo Boo, and a big sugar mountain. And it's, it's sent to us from eight-year-old Neil Young. He lives in Toronto, Ontario, which is in Canada. Canada's above America to the north. I hope you don't eat just sugar, Neil, because you'll get a tummy rumble, lose all your teeth from cavities, and drive your mother crazy bouncing off the walls. That's an Uncle Vinny fact. Finally, our last picture is of Uncle Vinny. 
Milton Burl, Nanny Nanny Boo Boo again, and over here we have Ava Braun and uh, Adolf Hitler. That's sent in from six-year-old Johnny Hinckley. He's a kindergartner from Denver Reform Preschool. <laughs> I'm sure it's just a phase, Mom. My kids have swastikas all over their lunch boxes. Probably can't make tic-tac-toe squares yet. Well, kids, keep those pictures coming. It's 616. Well, what do you know? Let's take a look at Uncle Vinny's daily diet calendar with everyone's favorite dietary supplement, Edie the Breakfast Fairy! Hello, kids. I'm Edie the Breakfast Fairy, and it's time for the daily diet calendar. Today's food is, mmm, eggs. Eggs sure are a good food, eat them every single day. Eggs sure are a good food, make your troubles go away. Eggs sure are a good food, eat them, yes you can. So make a plate of eggs part of your breakfast plan. Howdy, Mr. Eggs. Can you tell the boys and girls what you're full of? Why, sure. I'm filled to my keister with cholesterol, and over a period of years, I can create deposits inside the arteries and constrict circulation. You can boil, fry, poach, or scramble me. Eggs are a good food, and they're fun to make. Thank you, Mr. Eggs. See you next time, boys and girls. And until then, remember, you are what you eat. Thank you, Edie. I know we all learn something new from you every single day. It's 624 on the clubhouse, and that means it's cartoon cavalcade kaleidoscope time. Let's find out where Captain Fluffy's chipmunk pirates buried the secret treasure. You know, I think it's behind the tree, under the rock, near the bush. Here we go! Yoo-hoo! Roger Bruce, makeup man for the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade. Comedy isn't pretty unless you have a pancake face, some highlighter, and a touch of grease paint. If the stars look bad, I'm the one who hears about it. I'm Roger Bruce, makeup man for the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade. The Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade, the bright spot on your radio dial. No, it's out of my hands then. I'm not going to deal with mascara. Hey, Bob Hope, old ski knows how to set up my next special road to senility. From my early days with Major Dean's Ten of Talent to the day we flooded the studios at WCFL with a fire hydrant, Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade will always be a part of me, no matter how hard you try to deny it. So happy 50th, DLCC. I'm off to find some troops to entertain. Hey, Brett, come over here, huh? Papa's got a present for you. In January of 1954, the first and last episode of a sitcom starring Robert Young was aired. It was just too damn nice for the established attitude of the cavalcade. The show would later become one of the most well-known and loved family shows on television. That show was Fathers Acquainted with Viable Alternatives, 
The name was quickly changed to Father Knows Best when viewers complained about the title being too small to read on their 4-inch TV screens. Salutations, this is Tim Thomas, current member of the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade, with a special turning point for the group. The Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade has poked fun at Padres, Popes, Astronauts, the number 56 bus, the improvisation explosion in the 1950s, Boston, and Hippies. In 1955, the format went through some major changes. Garth Berenson, known to people at the old WCFL as Old Man Berenson, took over the reins of a station fading in popularity. With the advent of rock and roll came the disc jockey, a faceless entity that would spin records and talk to teenagers on the phone. When they had nothing better to do with their time or say some advertiser, you know, forgot to pay their bill or something like that. Along with the move to rock came changes in the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade. It became a daily morning program on the weekdays, and with the signing of Les Cantor and Wes Hawkins, known as the morning warning of Les and Wes, the show turned into a juvenile display of sophomoric simpleness and degenerative pandering to teenage humor. Celebrity prank calls, where a famous star would call on another famous star and ask them if they had a John, you know, or something like that, eating celery on the air and scratching their heads to the latest Elvis song, became part of their daily exercise in futile funniness. The people loved them for over half a year. From the year 1955, Less and West, taken from our cavalcade closet of memories. I smell toast! Less and West and Less. Less and West and Less. You're goofy. You're naughty. You're great. You're goofy. You're naughty. You're great. You do goofy things on the radio. You do naughty things on your morning show. Less and Less and West. Less and West and Less. You're goofy. You're naughty. You're great. You're goofy. You're naughty. You're great. And we love you. Yeah. Hey, Wes! Hey, how you doing? Wake up! Wake up, everybody! Good morning, everybody out there! Hey, I haven't even had my java yet this morning. Oh, you're jumping, though! I don't know how I'm going to hang in there. I tell you, Wes, hey! I've had two cups. You know, coming up this morning, we're going to make that nutty phone call to the Kremlin! You know, but who's going to answer when you do that kind of a thing? Some rusky, I hope. Hey, everybody out there, we're going to be over at the A&W out in Summit, Illinois. We're going to be drinking as much root beer as our bellies could handle, so come on out. We're going to be spinning those plants. All those old big bopper tunes. And more! Coming up after the weather, we're going to be playing that new Elvis the Pelvis number that you've been hearing all about. Hey, look at me. I can almost move my body just hey, like him. Huh? Knock it off! <laughs> we're going to get banned from radio. Knock it off! <laughs> okay, everybody, we'll be right back. I smell toast! Three months after Les and Wes were hired, the first screaming jock and the omen of things to come in Chicago radio landed his feet at WCFL as part of a four-hour morning show known as the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade. The DJ was a man named Lee St. James, and his on-air name was Loud Lee Lungs. His decibel-splitting catchphrase is Anybody Home and Eat a Pizza were popular for the short time he ruled the AM airwaves. Lung's tragic career ended in an innocent note from a listener. The date is October 1956. Is anybody home? Danny Chandler, 15, sends a loud one a note. Keep up the good work, Mr. Lungs. Can't wait to hear the new Little Richard record. Here's 200 smackers. Play it twice. Thank you, Donnie, and eat a pizza! 
Ten minutes later, Lungs was arrested for payola. WCFL, realizing the boneheadedness of its ways, fired Old Man Berenson, replacing him with Young Man Sanders, who cleaned house and returned the cavalcade to its accustomed familiar spot on Saturday nights opposite lame programming on the other stations. Sanders was to radio what, what Pat Weaver was to NBC in the golden era of television. I mean, he searched the nation for the new members of the Duck Logic Comedy Cavalcade. And he hired two veteran vaudevillians from Major Dale's Tent of Talent, a popular traveling review of the time. And those veterans were Tyler and Rogers. Their stamp was placed on our legacy with this clever stab at incompetency. The Bit No Jobs was the first to be recorded live. That's right, Duck Logic went out to Cook County Prison. Tyler described the crowd as the best we've ever had. Comedy clubs would be smart to follow suit and hire armed security guards. So here we have, in 1957, no jobs from Tyler and Rogers. All right, you guys, shut up a second and listen. We got some entertainment here. We're kind enough to come out and entertain us. I know we couldn't get Johnny Cash at the last minute like everybody wanted, I know. Hey, shut up out there and listen. Uh, got a couple of comedians. They're on the radio. They got some some duck show on the radio. Tyler and Rogers are going to do a skit before the uh, girls come out. So just shut up. Shut up and listen. Hey, how are you? Fine, fine. You look good. Oh, thanks. Beautiful day, isn't it? Hey, perfect day for the park. Yeah, it is that. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <sighs> Say, how's that girl you were seeing? Um, oh, what, the little blonde, Cindy? Oh, oh, we broke up. Long oh, time ago. No. Oh, yes, sir. Long time, long time. It didn't work. She wanted a house in the country, and uh, I wanted to live alone. <laughs> Too bad. Well, how's yeah. your girlfriend, um, Patty? Oh, oh, that's all over. She was just too wild. Wild girl. Oh. Beautiful, but wild. She's wrestling now. She's a professional wrestler? Well, no, nah, she's not professional. She just kind of wrestles people on the street. Greco-Roman, mostly. She's very good. Oh, oh it's nice to have a trade. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Well, how's the wife, then? Oh, never better. She's lost 15 pounds, dyed her hair, and she divorced me. Divorced you? Yeah, kick me right out. She's gonna manage Patty now. Set up some wrestling matches. Boy, isn't life strange, huh? It Shoot. sure is. Yeah. Well, how's the dog? Oh, we still see each other. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Good. yeah. I like that. That's good. Hey, what are you doing out in the park, huh? Well, you know, I'm out here because, well, I'm thinking of finding myself a new job. My friend, there aren't any jobs out there. No jobs. I've been looking for five years. Five years? Well, yeah. You're a good worker. Oh, sure. I mean, you can do a lot of things. Uh, you worked in your dad's business in high school, didn't you? Sure, sure. My dad started the whole problem. Oh, no. Oh, he always told me, son, specialize. It's the specialists that are going to get somewhere in this world. So I did. I kept my dad's books. I was his accountant. But I would only subtract. Oh, sure. You were great at subtraction in school. Well, I was the best. But then my dad comes in one day and says, son, could you add these figures for me? And I says, hey... I'm a specialist. Do you want to add numbers? Get yourself another boy. So I walked. You walked? Damn right I walked. Oh. Well, you can cook, right? Didn't you cook for a while? Oh, yeah. I was a short-order cook at a greasy spoon. I cooked bacon. Just bacon? Not just bacon. Medium to medium well bacon. You know, where the edges are kind of crinkly and the center is firm. People screamed about my bacon. In three months, I was cooking medium to medium well bacon at the Waldorf Astoria. Kings, senators, millionaires, Hollywood stars. I cooked for all of them and they loved my bacon. 
Then one day the chef walks in and says, the president would like some scrambled eggs. Eggs! I'm the bacon cook. What do I know from eggs? So I walk. You walk? Damn right I walked. I'm a specialist. That's the kind of hairpin I am. Gosh. Whoa. Yeah. What'd you do then? I bartended. Yeah, I've always liked people. Oh, yeah, you're a people guy. And I was good. I just made Manhattans. But I made the best damn Manhattans people ever tasted. People raved about my Manhattans. They foamed at the mouth over my Manhattans. So one day, the bar gets busy. See, and I'm flying. I'm whipping the bourbon around. I'm pouring the sweet vermouth. And the boss comes over and asks me to make a gin and tonic. A gin and tonic! It's entirely different. I says, excuse me, I'm the Manhattan bartender. And you know what I did then? You walked? I walked. Damn right I walked. You don't screw up a good Manhattan, man. No, sir. Oh, gosh. What else did you do? I got into detective work. That seemed like pretty exciting work, you know. Sure, I mean, gosh, what'd you specialize in? Murders or kidnappings? I searched for 13-year-old French-Canadian runaways. And I was the best 13-year-old French-Canadian runaway finder anyone ever heard of. But you know what happened? You walked! No, I found all four of the 13-year-old French-Canadian runaways and specialized myself right out of the business. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Jeez. You know, I still think there are some jobs out there. If you just apply Oh, uh, no, sir. No jobs. Oh, I've been over everything. Five years, there's well, no jobs. No jobs. I think... Uh-uh. No way. No jobs. If you just look, I think this paper here... There's going to be no jobs in that paper. Take my word for it. No jobs. Uh-uh. No. Look. Look. Look at this. This place needs a bartender that makes great Manhattans for a club whose clientele is exclusively French-Canadian, 13-year-old, former runaways, and it says good subtraction skills and knowledge of cooking medium to medium-well bacon can only be a plus. That's right across the street, so you can walk right to it. Walk? I'm sorry. I don't walk. Other newcomers included Lenny Bruce, who was fired after calling the president a yada yada and a tinkler. But one thing was documented fact. The show was back where it belonged, providing the type of programming entertainment sorely missing at the time. Overall, you could say the 50s were good to the cavalcade. We almost went network. Almost being the key word. I mean, bad direction and lack of foresight led the boys into a, a bad contract deal with a major syndicator, only interested in exploiting Tommy Jackson's red-hot character, Bobby the Likable Neighbor. A ballyhooed book deal went south for the winter to stay. Then they hired this kid from Peoria, Richard Pryor, and their problems weren't over. In a period of one month, Pryor was fired for saying the D-word. That's right, danged on the air. And had to work nightclubs until the prissy public could handle stronger language coming from the radio. A week later, hot-headed Danny Dale walked off the show in a contract dispute. Hardship, hard luck, hard-headedness, all were synonymous with the cavalcade. But by the end of the 50s, the group was looking forward to the next decade, the 1960s, with all the joy and anxiety of a family getting together for Christmas. Well, there you have it, the Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour, show number 47. Our 50th, well, 49th anniversary show, part one. Featuring in alphabetical order, David Dunlosky, Tom Giannis, Ann and Walter Mitchka, James F. Russell, and Tim Thomas. If you like what you heard on the Comedy Half Hour, tell your friends, your relatives, your Facebook buddies. Uh, spread the word. Follow us on social media, because we love you for it. Our website is ducklogiccomedy.com, and our video show, Cableville USA, is somewhere on YouTube. 
Portions of the show were previously broadcast back in the day over the radio airwaves under the copyright of Duck Logic Limited and the licenses of WLUP AM and FM in Chicago. Well, it's pretty good, right? <laughs>